0: Thank you for listening to today's message. Avenue Church is a Christian church located in Las Vegas. For more information, visit avenuechurch.cc. Enjoy the message. We're honored together to pastor this great church, but we're going to tag team today. And uh, this is week three of Mixtape. I hope you're enjoying this series. Everyone is well. And... uh, It's been a great, great time. This last week, we celebrated our one year, and man, we're just excited. Also, I want to echo what David said. Groups are starting today, and they're a big deal to us. We're not a church with groups, we are a church of groups that as we grow bigger, we're going to grow smaller all at the same time. So let's jump into mixtape. If you're taking notes, we would love to just uh, really share our hearts on relationships. And I want to say, whatever stage you're in, I want to really make this known. Whether, whatever stage you're in that we've been talking, about these three weeks, that the pinnacle of your life isn't marriage. The pinnacle of your life isn't marriage. The pinnacle of your life is giving your life to Jesus Christ and encountering all that he has for your life. Now remember, Jesus defines who we are, that we have our identity in Christ. That's a good place to say amen, all right? Amen. And So we're going to uh, give some tips today. We want to give some, uh, have some fun. If you're single in this room, you're included as well today because we want to know that God has called you to live an extraordinary life. And all the single people said Amen. So uh, I went online. We found some good clips. So put up this first uh, image of of, of, of maybe this is your relationship. This summarizes my love life. I'm the guy in blue. I'm way over there back there. I think there's one more. Is there another one? There's one more. And everyone's falling in love, and I'm just like... See that guy right there? I relate to that. All right, I like that. Right? I don't care. Right? Chowing that down, uh, man. And there's lots of different things that we could say. This is what relationship is all about. And so, if you're not married today, I would love to talk uh, about single, about being single. For an example, a good tip is if you sleep by yourself and you have maybe a king bed or a queen bed, and you want to prepare for marriage, sleep on the very edge. All right? Put some blocks down and just just sleep. And then in the middle of the night, just take the covers off. In the middle of the night, and just stay right there on that edge, right there. Just some practical tips for you today. But before I do that, I want to ask the question that we've been, we've been talking about for the past three weeks is what is love? What is love? That we have a false perception of love because we have the wrong expectations of love. That many of us, we start right here at the emotional stage and we say, it must be the right person if it feels right. But this area is all about Hollywood. This area is all about those movies. But this area in every relationship only lasts about 18 weeks, I believe it was. 18 weeks. And we say, you know what? If if he makes me feel good, then I'll be happy. And what we've been talking about the last three weeks is saying, yes, but now let's start here now. now I'm not talking about breakups and separate. We're not talking about that. What we're saying is put a time out on your relationship, and let's start in the spiritual. Let's begin to have that foundation in Christ and through Christ. That spiritual stage means Christ is my solid rock. And last week we said, you know, how do you fall in love? you got to have a pulse. But how do you stay in love? you got to have a plan got to have a plan. So let me share. Here's God's action plan. Proverbs 20, 29, verse 18. It says, where there is no vision, people perish. Where there is no vision, people perish. You have to get a clear vision of your future so that your present can produce it you got to get a clear uh, picture of your future so your present can produce it. When I was uh, even dating my wife and going, you know what? This is going to be our future together. We're going to be retired in ministry. We're going to be on a beach somewhere. Come on, somebody. And we're going to be enjoying that longevity. Why? Because we were able to serve together, travel, and make a difference. Why? you got to have vision. Our actions will either produce... Will either uh, our actions will either produce or destroy our future. Why? Because we either have the right vision or we have the wrong vision. And we gotta have vision that goes beyond the bedroom. We gotta have vision that goes beyond the bedroom. It has to go beyond the looks, the emotional. We have to say, let's start at the spiritual. I read this quote this week The path people take trumps the decisions they make. The path People take trumps the decision they make. And guess what? When you begin to think about 50, 60 years down the road, you know what happens when you have that vision? You say, you know what? My, now my standards are getting a little higher. Now my, what God has for my life. And so let's talk about single people because I don't have much time. So raise your hand if you're single. Where you at? I want a single lady. I a single lady. I single, I single Put that. lady. Put that down. I am single single lady. <laughs> I see that. Come on, girl. That's our worship coordinator over there. Calm down. <laughs> Calm down. But, man, uh, I even saw, you know, this, this, uh, that song. And There's a little child who was on um, social media a few years back, and uh, his dad is actually a worship leader. And so I want you to watch this real quick video of what he put up. Sorry, you're not a single lady, buddy. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, you are. Yeah, you are. A you're, a are. <laughs> you're a single lady. Oh. Ah! Sorry. Sorry. I, look, buddy. I was just I was just kidding. I was just you, kidding. Can <laughs> you can do it. I can do it. Buddy, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry, buddy. You're a single lady, okay? Okay? Here we go. If you like it, any you get a better ring on it. Sorry. that hurt your feelings? You
1: can be a single lady if you want, okay? You want to be a
0: single lady? I love that clip because he said, Buddy, you're not a single lady. He starts crying. Why? I want to be a single lady. Because I want to give you some quick tips, six quick tips. So if you're single, we're gonna honor you today. But write down these quick six tips. Here we go. Number one, deal with your issues before you get married. Deal with your issues before you get married. Now it's hard to see your own issues. It's hard to see your own issues. And you know what? Oftentimes you don't realize it, but we're actually married to our issues. We're married to those habits. Our own issues we often project onto other people. Now we don't see the problem and it's everybody's fault but my fault. And sometimes we got to take a step back and this works for every single person in this room. We say, you know what? I went here and I was with this person, I had this relationship and it was the same issue after issue after issue and you got to take a step back and go, what's the common denominator? It's me. It's me. That I need to get uh, I need to deal with my issues before I get married. That's the same problem but a different relationship. The Bible says that we don't look at the speck in our eye, in their eye, excuse me, when we have a plank in ours. We have to deal with our issues. We haven't dealt with our issues because we believe that when we find the one, that he or she will either fix my issues or deal with my issues. That when I get married and I get the one, it's all going to be fixed. But when that happens, if it doesn't get fixed, God's going to give them the grace and mercy because we're sin abound, grace abounds, and they're just going to deal with my little quirks. It's going to be so cute. And then like 10 years later, they're like, stop doing that, right? Oftentimes, if you're in marriage counseling or you prepare for marriage, there's a a little diagram that we could put up. And so I want to put this diagram up. And it says you and then a little, uh, you know, some function and then parent. You and there's an issue with a parent. Now, I'm putting parent up not to pull some things out this morning. You're going to go like, yeah, yeah, I knew that, right? If you're sitting next to your parent, don't do anything, all right? (laughs) Calm down. But I want to show you that you, often we can have a, parental issue, often we can have a child issue, often we can have an issue that we've carried on into a, now a spouse. And what happens, if you're married in this room, keep your elbows locked in, all right? If you're married in this room, don't look at your, mm -hmm, mm-hmm, yeah, I mean, Calm down, but I'm talking to single folks today that oftentimes then you you throw in a spouse, you get married, have a great wedding day. But what happens is that that you there is now going to begin to direct the issues to the spouse. And so the spouse will say, I have no idea what's going on. All I said was, hey, let's be late at that function. And maybe the parent was always late to everything that they came to, and now you is going, No, we will not be late. And they're like, oh my God, what happened? Who are you? Like, where were you on wedding day, you know? Why? Because we begin to project our issues on the ones that are closest to us instead of dealing with that issue. Uh, Dr. Les Parrott said, If if you attempt to build intimacy with a person before you've done the hard work of of becoming a whole and healthy person, every relationship will be an attempt to complete the hole in your heart. Every relationship will be an attempt to complete the hole in your heart. I have an issue here, but I'm going to marry somebody, and they're going to fix everything. And God is saying, I'm the only one who can take that and heal it. I'm the only one that can fill the hole in your heart. So the issue can propel you if you deal with it, or it could hurt you if you don't. So number two, break your bad habits before you get married. See, marriage doesn't break bad habits. Man, maybe we have an addiction to something. We say, once I get married, it's going to quit. Once I have that holy matrimony, that holy ceremony, it's going to quit. That marriage wasn't designed to solve your problem. How many know it sometimes magnifies it, right? Okay. All right. So what's a bad habit? What's well, an addiction? Are you an addicted to something in your life? What are you addicted to? What are you addicted to in your life, what are you addicted to in your life that is making you emotionally unavailable? What, what are you addicted to in your life that is removing you from the equation of a relationship? You might say, I'm not addicted to alcohol. Well, well quit drinking. Well, I'm, uh, uh, in my own time, you know what I mean? Or you know what? Uh, one time we had a foreign exchange student live with my mom, and he woke up one morning and he loved Jesus, and he came to my mom and he said, Bonnie, uh, you're, you're addicted to coffee. He was from, uh, you know, somewhere. He goes, you're addicted to coffee. And my mom goes, I am not addicted to coffee, all right? And I was like, oh, are talking to my mama like that. Yeah, you know I mean? Like, I'm going to go to school, all right? You're on your own, pal. And my mom goes, I'm not. She goes, yeah, you drink too much coffee. You're addicted. And my mom takes the pot out, and she dumps it in the sink, and she puts it back in. And he was like, I am so sorry, buddy. Like, you just wasted. Co- I am so sorry. And she's like, I am not addicted to coffee. See, she dumped the whole thing out. He went to school. Years later, I asked my mom, all right? I said, Mom, what happened? Like, I remember when you dumped that coffee out. And she goes, oh, when he went to school, I brewed another cup. Come on, somebody. I said, oh, mama. If you don't break your bad habit, within six months, you begin to blame your spouse. It's your fault that I have this addiction. It's your fault I have this habit. Number three, dress for success. Don't dress like a commodity or put up being treated like one. And we say this out of heart and we say this out of love. We say this out of not just that you know, culture is just terrible and it's all this. No, we're just saying dress for success. The Bible says that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. Honor God with your body. And I can't go three weeks into a series without talking about even the physical aspect of a relationship. That next week is going to be the talk. And next week's going to be a lot of fun. Come on. But we will never be vulgar. We won't use shock language. I want to encourage you today to dress for success. That many of us, we, we simply haven't heard this in our own life. That you might say, you know what, how do I gauge that? Look in the mirror, and, look, and when you look in the mirror, say, does this honor God or does this honor somebody else? Does this honor God or does this honor somebody else? But listen to me, men. I want you to understand that I am not saying that a woman is treated the way she is dressed. I'm so proud of our men here at Avenue Church that we treat our ladies with dignity, with respect, that if you're single here and you're looking for a good guy, Avenue Church is the place to be. Come on, somebody. Why? Because we honor one another. We love one another as Christ loved us. You know, I, I've been fishing before, and I know there's great there's uh, guys here at this church that love to fish. And what well, I'm told, because I'm not that good of a fisherman, I'm told that when you get in the boat, you're supposed to use the correct bait to catch what you want to catch. So I'm going to use this bait to catch this kind of fish. I don't do that. I put, like, beef jerky on the hook, uh, like, you know, anything. I'm throwing it out in the lake. I'm trying to—I'm kidding, Dad. I, I, I use the right bait. Now— But a fisherman baits his hook for the type of fish he wants. If you bait them with your body, you'll have to catch them or keep them with your body. That's a hard statement to say, but sometimes over time, the law of gravity shows up, everybody. (laughs) Moving on. (laughs) I also want to tell you this, be careful where you're fishing. Be careful where you're fishing. That you'll catch a fish in the pond that you're fishing. Some of you don't, all right? But you'll catch a fish in the pond that you're fishing. That if, if, if you fish in the swamp, you'll catch. we got to be careful even where we fish. If you fish at Avenue Church, come on, somebody. You're going to find some upstanding man. There's even a dude right here named Daniel. He's got his own Instagram account. <laughs> He's a good man. Come talk to me after service. Number four, deal with lust. We gotta deal with lust. I'm gonna go short on this, but break the habit of lust. It is toxic. It's an area that God can break over your life. It's an area where God can heal in your life. It's an area where God can replace that toxic, where he says, you know what? I'm gonna give you grace. I'm gonna give you peace in your heart. No more guilt and condemnation. And I gotta tell you, if this is the big one for you, and even the Holy Spirit, you saw this on the screen, you went, oh, why is he gotta talk about that? I gotta encourage you, get into a group. Get into a group. Are you, is there like lust groups out there? Like, I don't want to sign up for that. No, but you simply need to do life with others. Get someone in your life that can call you, that you can trust. It starts with doing life with others. You'd be amazed at what a free market group would do. Basketball, eating lunch somewhere. You'd be amazed at what that can do. That if you're not doing life with others, that means no one has access to your life, and that is dangerous. Bring people into your life. What you expose your kids to, they'll begin to deal with And I'm here to tell you, if if there's a lust that's been passed down from generation to generation, I'm here to tell you, break that over their life. And here's the last one is, Number five and number six. I'm going to go quick because i got to call the preacher up here. Number five, postpone the physical until marriage. And this is just an encouragement for you. If you're here and you're like, oh, man, we've been doing the emotional. We've been doing what feels good. I want to encourage you to postpone it until marriage. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, it says, it is good for a man not to touch a woman. It is good. All the guys are like, why did I come today? It is good for a man not to touch a woman. And I'm here to tell you, we have some great people here at Avenue Church that said, you know what? We were doing it this way, but now we're going to get married. And so we're going to abstain from that. We're going to go through marriage counseling. And then now our wedding day is so powerful and so significant. And the touch there in the Greek, it doesn't mean that physical touch. So some of you got real nervous, but it simply means to burn with desire, to burn with desire desire. That dating is supposed to be a tool for us to find someone to marry. And the number six, avoid living together. Avoid living together. I'm going to tell you this from a research standpoint. I know many of us we can go to church, and church will say this and say, listen to this, what you're doing is incorrect. But let me take it from a research standpoint that couples who live with others or with each other before marriage, and then they want to get married, there is a, there, there is a 33% higher chance of divorce than couples who wait. And there's already a 50% divorce rate in our country. Why? Because we're putting in our finances, we're putting in our personal needs before marriage. You might say, we're married in God's eyes. No, you're not. That God said that is it is a holy matrimony, it is a holy ceremony. And I got to tell you, I'm so proud of the relationships that I've had in my life that as their pastors to be able to say, you know what, I'm so proud. We don't say you need to do it the right way. You need to make sure you do this correct. But they say, you know what, pastor, we're here. We live together, we've been doing all that. But you know what, Pastor? We want to honor God because that's their convictions and say, you know what? We're going to start at the spiritual and we're going to begin that journey. And so now I'm going to introduce my wife, and she talks to married
1: people. It's for everybody. Come on, somebody. It's for everybody. You're hilarious. Oh, really? <laughs> okay, let's be real though. My husband grew up hard of hearing. His story is that nobody knew he was deaf until he was three years old. He had spinal spinal meningitis at 18 months old. And so when we got together and he wanted to be all lovey-dovey, My husband didn't grow up around music, friends. He was deaf. And so my husband started taking tunes like Amazing Grace and trying to say how amazing you are. And it was just, I was like, you didn't know, like, boys to Men, Tevin Campbell, come on, Lionel Richie, Stevie Wonder. Like, nobody knows what's going on. So I got sang to in Christian songs, love songs. So you all, married couples and couples out there that have a song, I'm a little bit envious and a little bit jealous of that because... We're a little depleted in that area. Anyways, I want to give... (laughs) It works, baby. It works. But I want to give you guys just some tips for marriage. You might be saying, well, how long have you been married? I've only been married a little bit over 10 years. In fact, if you were to look at our histories with our families, both of our parents are divorced. If you even go past their generation to our grandparents, our grandparents are divorced and remarried. And so statistically speaking, he and I don't have much of a chance going up into marriage. And yet we decided when we gave our life to Christ that we were going to love God and we were going to be focused on the spiritual first and that we were going to defeat statistics in our life and we were going to start something new in our family, in our legacy. And see, when somebody asked Jeremy and I, why Las Vegas? What's your heart for your city? And I said, you want to know what my heart for this city is? Is that families would be strengthened that moms and dads would begin to rise up in families and people wouldn't call it off so quickly, that young boys and girls who were in our school systems would go home to functional families, would go home to families that are strong, families that are set, families, hear me, it's not about money, it's not about natural resources all the time, it's about emotional needs as well and spiritual needs. What would Las Vegas look like if people started doing things the way that God wanted them to do? I want us to have vision. When Pastor Jeremy says, I want you to have vision for your marriage, I want you to have vision for your children's marriage. Because the example that you set by the way you love your husband, or the example that you set by the way you love your wife, is what your son or what your daughter is looking at. The way you treat your spouse, that's the way your daughter is going to talk to her future husband. Or the way that you allow your son to do things, well, guess what? That's the way he's going to treat his future spouse. And so that's my heart for Las Vegas, to see legacies changed long after I'm, I'm gone and dead, to see families restructured, families standing up and doing things the way that God has them. And hear me, it's not just about divorced people learning not to get divorced. It's about husbands and wives who decided just to stick it out for their, for their kids. What if they truly loved each other? What have they truly learned what it meant to serve one another? I'm not just saying, let's make it all the way till death do us part, baby. I'm saying, can we do it with joy? Can we do it as a woman of God or as a man of God to be able to have a marriage that makes an impact and leaves a legacy? I want a marriage that leaves a legacy. So here's eight tips for that. Number one, do not window shop. Be happy with what you have. Okay? Don't window shop. In Matthew 6:22 it says the lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. And if therefore the light that is in you is actually darkness, how great is that darkness. We've all heard it said before the eyes are the what? The window to the soul. Do you know that what you see impacts you immediately? What you see has an immediate effect on your emotions, on your body. Sometimes your hormone, hormones come on somebody. Your eyes are windows to your soul. You can feel when somebody's staring at you, can't you? You can feel it. I remember driving down the street and my husband and I had left the church at the same time, but we had drove separately. And so I'm going and I'm jamming to my music and I'm driving down my, my street and all of a sudden out of the corner of my eye, I see a red truck. I'm like, that's going to be my husband. So I turned over smiling. It wasn't my husband. It was somebody else's red truck. And that man was smiling right back. Now, okay, we all know what it feels like to be stared at. We also know what it's like to be the one staring. But what about that awkward moment when you lock eyes, right? You got two choices. You either (laughs) bounce and look away which I did. I didn't stay there. And I was like, oh my God, my face. You feel the heat in your face when it turns red. And I am so pale. I cannot like hide embarrassment. It is all over there. So you have the choice to either bounce and look away, or you have the opportunity to invite for further looking. And so my encouragement to you, if you are married, do not window shop. Be happy with what you have. Watch what your eyes are looking at and hear me. We used to think back in the day that it was the charming people that window shopped. It was the outgoing man or the super cute, flirtatious, confident girl. We can window shop in the privacy of our own home. Simply scrolling, we're window shopping. We could be on Facebook and we could say, oh, this person commented on this person and you're all of a sudden, you see an attractive picture and you decide to dig a little bit further and you click on them and kind of see. No, 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 that, that's window shopping, friends. That's taking your eyes off your prize, which is your spouse. And it's putting it on another person. I learned a long time ago, you know, we always think grass is greener on the other side. Grass is greener where you water it. So if you have your home and you have your own lawn and you maintenance your own lawn and you take care of your own yard, you're not going to be envious or thinking that grass is greener somewhere else. You are loving on what you have right now. And you may be thinking, but I'm not very happy with what I have right now. Window shop, but don't window shop, but be happy with what you have. Well, I'm telling you that your emotions can catch up with your mind. That you can make a physical and a mental decision and your heart can catch up with that. That I'm not going to window shop. Number two, understand that adultery can happen to you. And set up safeguards in your marriage. Now I want to make something real clear right now. Nobody is above having adultery happen in their marriage. We may be thinking, oh no, that, that would never ever happen to me. We are so in love or we're good. Everybody is just a few steps away from compromises. Everybody's just a few thoughts away from making a mistake or an inappropriate conversation having one of those. And so I want you to know, to have it in our mind that, this could happen, but there's things that I do, can do, so that it won't happen. See, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13 says this. But when you are tempted, it doesn't say that possibly, by chance, it might happen. No, no. It says when you are t- tempted, it's inevitable that this temptation is going to come, but we have something to do about it. You see, the rest of that verse says that he's going to give you an exit. But it's our choice whether we step out into the exit or we walk further down this path that could cause us to step out of our marriage and step into a relationship with someone other than our spouse. So guard your heart and set up safeguards in your life. I want you all real quick, take out your phone. I want you to take out your phone and I want you to open up the camera on your phone. And I want you now to take out your wallet and I want you to pull out your debit card or your credit card, whichever one has the the largest resource. And I want you to take a picture of the front and back of your debit card and your credit card, and I want you to post it on social media for everyone to see. Right? Psycho? No. What are you talking about, Pastor Lindsay? That is my money. That is my private, personal life. That is my credit card. It doesn't belong to somebody else. Why would I put that? Some of y'all were starting to do it. Come on now. Catch up. but why would I put that kind of information out there for somebody else to steal or somebody else to take advantage of to use what is mine? See, we wouldn't do it with our credit card. We wouldn't do it with our debit card, but yet we put our marriages out there for anybody to come and take apart. We start having conversations that should be just reserved for our spouse. Hear me, your hopes, your dreams, your fears, the things that get you all hot and bothered inside shouldn't be shared with, with that old friend of the opposite sex, or with a friendly coworker who's sympathetic and hangs out a little bit longer to speak with you in the break room. And so if we're not willing to put that out there with money, don't put that out that with your wife. See, you protect what you value. We protect what we value. We value our homes. We lock them. I'm from Eastside. I-, I lock my door all the time. People are like, you're home. I don't care. My door is locked twice. Latch on top. I lock my stuff. Because I value. We'll be in North Dakota. And I'm like, you locked the car door, right? He's like, Lindsay, we're running in for two seconds. It's in the driveway. You locked the car, right? Because you protect what you value. And so do you value your marriage? And do you want to protect it and you want to guard it? Because hear me, guard your heart and set up safeguards. Because what only takes a moment can affect a lifetime. What only takes just a few minutes can affect an entire lifetime. How do you set up safeguards? I remember one of the most valuable pieces of information my mom gave me when Jeremy and I got engaged. She goes, I need you to find a couple, Lindsay. I need you to find a married couple that you can go to because I'm your mom. And you may come tell me one day that he did something real bad. And you may forgive him in three days, but I must be able to be real ticked off at him. And so I need you to find a, a husband and a wife who've done this longer than you and that are trustworthy and that love the Lord so that you can go and you can confide in them. That was the best piece of advice my mom ever gave me. And so we did. We found accountability partners. We found couples that were for marriage and not against marriage. You don't want single friends telling you marriage advice, and we're going to get to that in a minute. But you want somebody who you can look at. See, I had a pastor for years married 30 years. 30 years we'd be hanging out. He was still flirting with his wife. Come on, somebody. I'm like, oh, but like you're my mom and dad. But at the same time, I was inspired because 20 years from now, when we're at that 30-year mark, I still want him to be flirting with me. I still, no matter how gravity has played itself out. (laughs) Write that down. (laughs) But have accountability partners. When we do premarital counseling with a couple, we'll say, what do you value? And they'll give us ideas like, okay, well, we we value faithfulness. There's not going to be cheating in our, in our marriage. Okay, so, so how do you protect what you value? Imagine a castle with a moat around it. What is your guard against what you value? If you value, value honesty and trust, trustworthy and all that, how how are you going to guard that? So I think it'd be an amazing thing if you were married to sit down and have a conversation with your spouse and say, what in our marriage do we value and needs protection? And then make a list together on how you can do that in the future. Number three, one of my favorite things, schedule romance. Men, you don't take notes, but I need you to take notes right now. Write that down. I need to schedule romance. We don't have to explain what that is, but you need to set a time and a place with your spouse. See, people who can't schedule romance, they somehow schedule affairs. They can't get it on their calendar to spend one-on-one time with their spouse, but they somehow manage to step out. See, if you don't have time for significant connection, and it's not always physical. It could be, how was your day? It's kid-free. Let's have a conversation. You're allowing the tyranny of the urgent to take away what should be most important to you, which is your spouse. See, why are we giving these tips? Why are we talking about some things that make you like, oh, that doesn't feel so good to hear? Because we want you to have a long-lasting marriage. I want the children and avenue kids to grow up to know what it means to love a spouse what it means to serve somebody what it means to lead somebody what it means to stick in there and do the work even when get times get tough and you might be saying well we've already set the wrong example so start setting the right one now you have no idea i've had parents that have gone and have apologized to teenagers that i'm so sorry guys we've been doing it wrong all this time i've allowed you to have sex in my home because I had sex outside of marriage. But today, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. So the things, my mistakes are not going to dictate the way I lead my family. And we've seen these changes happening, and it's amazing. If we say that you can be forgiven by Christ for all that you've done, and that God will clean you as white as snow, no spot, no blemish, he tells us that what we've done wrong, he doesn't remember it. He casts it as far as the east is from the west. He wipes it out of his mind. But somehow we don't think we could wipe it off our record, so we have to allow others to do the same things that we did. doesn't need to be that way. And so schedule, romance, I'm sorry that was just something that came, but you know that's Jesus. So continuing. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 2. Each man should have sexual relations with his own wife and each woman with her own husband. The wife does not have authority over her body, but yields it to her husband. I'm listening, Lindsay. But in the same way, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but yields it to his wife. Do not deprive each other, except perhaps by mutual consent and for a time, so you may devote yourselves to prayer. Then come together again, so that Satan will not tempt you because of your lack of self control. Now, hear me. Isn't that incredible? that God says the way that you are romantic with your, with your spouse, the way that husbands and wives come together physically wards off Satan. But the moment you take romance out of the agenda, the moment you take that physical connection out of the agenda, out of your marriage, it gets room for Satan to come and creep on in. And so what I don't want to happen I don't want my husband to start getting calls from husbands out here saying, my wife is sure doing a lot of praying. My wife sure is taking all this time and getting all holy because I'm really being honest. The word says that I can uh, resist physical connection with my husband if I'm praying. But man, she's sure praying a lot and she's never prayed this much. You don't get to use that excuse on your husband. Okay, that is for a season and it's for mutual consent. So we don't want any phone calls, women, okay? Okay, number four. Teach your children that a closed door means knock. Okay? Amen. Teach your children that a closed door means locked. How many of y'all have kids in your house, right? Okay. You have kids in your house. A locked door means you walk away. So if your child comes and jingles the door, the locked door, those kids should know walk away. They don't need to know what's happening inside the room, but they need to know that they need to walk away. You see, here's the problem. The kids are going to grow up and they're going to leave you but your spouse is not going to leave you. And we live in such a kid-centric culture that everything revolves around our children. We find finances out of nowhere to make sure we can play these extra sports, go to these extra camps, go out of state to play these ball games, and yet we say, oh, we don't have enough time or enough money to go on a date night together. We live in a kid-centric society where everything revolves around them, but yet they are going to leave you You want them to leave you. That means good job. You've done well. What is up with health insurance going to like 30 now because your grown child's living at home? No, you want them to get out the door and start their own life. But while they're here, they need to see that mom is a priority. They need to see that dad is a priority. So don't be afraid to lock your door. See, we have it backwards. The greatest gift that you can give your kid is not everything they ask for. The greatest gift that you can give your child is a healthy marriage because that's gonna set them up for success in the future. Real quick, I'm gonna go through this real quick. Number five, get good advice from sinful, no, get good advice not from sinful sympathizers. Let's try that again. Get good advice not from sinful sympathizers. So, your single friend who's never been married but had seven broken boyfriends, you don't need to hear from her on how to be married. Don't call her. Your friends who hate their wife, and they want a divorce, don't call them when your wife is getting on your nerves. No, you get good advice from people whose marriages you want yours to look like. But here's the deal, we're so afraid of being honest with what really is going on in our home that we don't want anybody to know what's happening. And so we feel better if we go to somebody who's in a worse situation from, than me and then I can talk to them. No, 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 no. Go to somebody whose marriage you want yours to look like. Number six, serve in church together. This is why we encourage you to know God and to find freedom so that you can get healthy and allow the truth to continue to set you free. Notice we said serve, don't just attend together. What if we're actively working out what God wants us to do together? We're serving together. We're building relationships together. And you might be saying, well, I sit here and my spouse goes to another church. Well, then I'd like you to go to their church too. I love having Well, we love you here but I love your marriage more. And so if you need your blessing, our blessing to dismiss and say, no, go sit with your wife, go sit with your husband, then go and believe that God is gonna bring you guys closer together because of it. Serve together, worship together, attend church together. Amen. Number seven, go to counseling. Nothing wrong with going to counseling. You can work on your marriage and identify issues before they even rise up and take over. And number eight, build on the right foundation. That's what we're showing right now, is building on the right foundation.
0: This girl is on fire. <laughs> I know that song. <laughs> but number eight, building on the right foundations at that spiritual stage. I just want to close as our worship team's coming on up here. To start now, what you want to continue to do. Start now, what you want to continue to do. The man, I, here's our heart. We don't want you to sit there today and say, "Oh man, I've I've like broken every rule that's been up on that screen today." Oh man, I've just oh after that it felt like dagger after dagger. It felt like guilt after guilt, shame after shame. That is not our desire today. But just the longer that we've pastored, the, the longer we've been doing life with individuals. Some just don't know. We haven't been taught that. We haven't been shown that. We haven't seen that. And so what we want to do today is we want to give you these quick tips. I want to encourage you today that today, right now, right here, you could say, I am so sorry this is where I was or I was at different levels. But today I'm going to make a decision to start at the spiritual stage. I want to encourage you that our God is such a good God that what you start now, you can continue doing. God's going to begin to bring healing in that marriage, healing in that relationship. God's going to begin to restore some things. Because we know this is a, it's a, it's a tough issue. It's a tough issue. But that's why we're so proud, to, you know, a year later to be able to talk about this as a church. To be able to trust one another. To say, you know what, what you begin now, begin to continue to do. Man, I just want to ask you, be a praying man. man I, I don't know how to pray. Well, let's get on our knees and let's just pray. Let's talk to God. Pray for your kids. Pray for your your families. I've made a lot of mistakes, but man, I want to pray for you today. I want you to know that the Bible says that we can boldly and humbly approach approach the throne of grace. We can approach the throne of grace and say, God, I've made so many mistakes. God, I've done it all wrong. And God is saying, man, I forgive you. Because number one, I want you to know who I am. I want you to begin to find freedom in Christ. So I'm going to ask you to do me a favor. If you're married in this place, I want us to grab a, your, your spouse's hand this morning. If you're not married, man, I want you to close your eyes and every single eye closes this place. But I want you to know, and I've got to repeat this again, that the pinnacle of your life isn't getting into a marriage relationship. The pinnacle of your life is not, man, i got to be with somebody. The pinnacle of your life is surrendering your life to Jesus Christ and doing all that he has called you to do, that he's going to take you greater, he's going to take you farther. I've said it time and time again that for me to love my wife more and more, the only way I can do that is if I love Jesus more and more. That the more I love Jesus, the more I can begin to love my spouse. I really understand the importance of getting into a group, of getting into a group, I got to stress that we're not, we're we're a church of groups. We're not a church with groups. That it's not something that we say, man, if, if you're up to it, you could join a group. We really want you to get into a group. If you're married, we have a couples group that meets on Wednesday nights. They break bread, they eat, come on somebody, but they're together as married folks. Pastor Monica, if you know her here at Avenue Church, she's leading a single ladies group. Man, if you're a man in here and you just need someone to do life with, I come to my group on Wednesdays at Jason's Deli. We eat, we hang out, we have fun. But begin to allow others into your life as we go on this journey. So let me pray with you. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, in Jesus' name. Father, we just thank you for who you are. The Father, I pray in Jesus' name. Give us hope today. The Father, I'm so grateful we can begin to talk about hard topics here at Avenue Church. But that Jesus, I pray for every... Married couple here, at this place that are holding hands. For every uh, single person in this place, the Father, I pray, give us hope today. Know that you love us. That Father, you died for us, and you've placed purpose in our lives. The Father, I pray for those that are here today and they're single, and whether they're content with their singleness. Father, I pray you begin to pour vision into their life. The Father, I pray you begin to open up doors, that begin to uh, just do over and exceedingly abundantly what they begin believe or ask for. The Father, I'm so encouraged by the single people in my life that are going after the things of God. The Father, I pray if you're here today, that maybe you're married, maybe you're in a just in a broken relationship, maybe you've been divorced after divorce, or maybe you're in a marriage now where you're like, there is no hope. We're sleeping in separate rooms. We're not. We're living separate lives. The God, I pray in Jesus' name, that you begin to do a work that only the Holy Spirit can do. The Father, I pray in Jesus' name, you begin to restore relationships. The Father, I pray in Jesus' name, that, do, uh, that I pray that great marriages will begin to surface. The Father, I pray that through this testing, it's going to become a testimony for many of us here today. And with nobody looking around, I got to ask today. If you're here today and you say, Christ is not my firm foundation. You know, I understand today it's got to begin with me, Pastor. It's got to begin with me. I'm going to stop blaming and I'm going to stop pointing. And I'm going to say, Jesus, I give you my life. Jesus, give me that fresh start. Give me another chance and another chance. Because the Bible says that he loves you, that he's forgiven you with every head bowed, every eye closed, if that is you today, and you say, Pastor, will you help me pray that prayer today? If that is you today, just put a hand up and put it right back down. Thank you, thank you. Yes, yes. Anyone else on this side? Yes, thank you. And we're all going to pray together if you don't mind. I'm so proud of the ones that had their hands raised. Thank you. But I'm also believing for those marriages in this room, That right now, God is doing a work in your life. He's doing a work in your heart. He's going to change it. He's going to transform it. And it's going to be a marriage that's going to last for decades and decades, for years and years. That without vision, people perish. You can have a relationship years down the road. Where you're sharing all the little things with your children and your grandchildren. Why? Because God restored and God healed. Everybody in this room say, Dear Jesus, thank you for loving me right where I am. Today, I give you my life. Today, I give you my relationships. Today, I give you my marriage. Forgive me of my sins and wash me clean. That, Father, you were raised to life Now raise me to do life, heal my relationships, heal my mind, and heal my heart. That today, I will follow you all the day of my life. And everybody said, amen. Will you stand with me and give God a clap, give him a praise today?